2: Hello everybody and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. This is episode 60. I'm your host Joey Coastman. I'm joined on this week's show, as always on most shows, by my co-host, my panel speaker, Mr. Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how you doing? I'm good, Joey. How are you? Very good, my friend. Very good. So we're going to dive straight into part one. If you've been here before, if you've listened to this show before, you should know that part one consists of the review where we review reviewed the fights from last week. So we're going to dive straight into one fight that took place over in the Tough Fight Gym in Moscow, or if you're American, Moscow, Russia. Okay, so this was a big fight. Dennis Shafikov, he's a man that last time out beat Jamel Herring, uh, which which broke my heart, to be honest, because Jamel Herring's a good friend of the show. He was in there against Richard Comey. Richard Comey, people know he's a hard-hitting lightweight. 24 wins, 22 of those by knockout, his record going into this. It was always going to be a good fight, and it ended up being a split-decision win for Dennis Shafikov. Um, I'm not sure who was the favourite going in, but I really thought Richard Comey uh, could could get the job done here, but he was actually on the wrong end of the decision. I think, well, it was a split decision, so it's it's, it's close, but uh, one judge gave it to him, two judges, of course, gave it to Shafikov. I think, from what I've heard, he was a little bit lucky to even get one judge favouring him. I heard that it was a little bit... I didn't see the fight, but I heard it was a little bit... He was a little bit fortunate for it to be a split decision. But nonetheless, he's had two fights back-to-back now within about three months of each other. Both of them he's lost on split decision. And there is only two losses on his record. So Richard Comey, we know he's a man that comes in there with a big punch. He's an exciting fighter, and he will be back to do big things in 2017. He's just had a bit of a bad luck year this year. But um, all the best to Richard Comey, and a great win there for Denis Shafikov. His record now 38 wins, two losses, and that one draw. And Richard Comey, 24-2 and two after last week. Uh, that's it for Russia. We're now going to go over to Sam's Town Hotel and Gambling Hall. That is my type of venue. This one was on the Friday. This is last Friday over in the USA, of course. Um, top of the bill, Ashley Fiafane, He was gunning for his 40th career win, and he's got to 40 wins successfully. It was a unanimous decision win over Yakubu Amidu, who had a record of 21 and 8. He's now 21 and 9. He also holds two draws, so good stuff there for Ashley Theofane. There was an upset on the bill. Young prospect Morris Lee, he lost his first fight, so he's now 7 and 1. He lost a unanimous decision over six rounds. This one was at welterweight, so bad stuff for him. He's a Opponent had a record of eight and twelve, it's now nine and twelve. So uh bad stuff for Morris Lee. He's a prospect out of the Goose and Gym in Van Huys over in America. Um that's it for that card to be honest that that really is it for that card so we're going to move from Las Vegas now and go over to Philadelphia this was also on the Friday top of the bill Tevin Farmer he picked up his 24th career win a great fighter he is and he successfully defended his NABF super featherweight title against Dardan Zenunaj now Dardan Zenunaj had a record of 12 and 2 it's now 12 and 3 so Tevin Farmer now 24 wins 4 losses and 1 draw so a good win there for tevin farmer that's it for the friday we're now going to go over to the saturday so this is saturday the 3rd of december a card that happened over in sofia in bulgaria at the arena Armeek. top of the bill there's only really one fight to mention on that bill kubrat pulev he picked up a well his opponent retired at the end of round three didn't come out for the fourth round Uh, kubrat pulev Moves now to twenty four and one, and his opponent, uh, if if you've been hiding under a rock or whatever, his opponent was the former world heavyweight champion Samuel Peter. He's been out of the ring for quite a while. He's um, really fought journeyman in in the couple of fights he's had in the last four or five years. It was for the vacant WBA Intercontinental Heavyweight title. Samuel Peter, completely not at this level anymore, and it's a it's another name for Kubrat Pulev's record, I suppose. But other than that, it wasn't impressive or anything like that Uh, he claimed an injury and as i say he didn't come out for the fourth round so hopefully that's the last of samuel peter his record at the moment 36 and 6 and hopefully it stays that way kubrat pulev now 24 and 1 now that's it for bulgaria we're now going to go over to germany we're just whizzing through these cards today because there's a lot to go over believe me top of the bill over here vincent feigenbutz he fought for the vacant IBF Intercontinental Super Middleweight title. He knocked out his opponent in round two. His opponent was Mike Keita, who had a record of 21 and 3. And it's a good win there for Vincent Feigen. But he's done really well, really uh, businessman-like. Victory there for Feigenbutz. His record now 25 and 2, so great stuff for him. That's it for Germany. We're now going to go over to Russia. Uh, a card in the Kodinka Ice Palace, again over in Moscow, Russia. This one was. A bit of a shock, I suppose, um, when you look back now. Top of the bill, Denis Lebedev, the man who holds the, or held, I should say. I've kind of given it away there. He held the IBF World Cruiserweight title for, for quite a while, and he's lost that title now. On a split decision over twelve rounds. Of course, Uh, his opponent Murat Gassiev, now twenty-four and zero with this victory, he had an unblemished record, a real good fighter as well, a bit of a young lion coming up. Lebedev, the you know the classy, experienced veteran, and yeah, from what I've heard, he was a little bit unfortunate to lose the split decision here. But nonetheless, it was a fight where Gassiev pushed him all the way, and uh, the judges, two of the judges anyway, seemed to like. Like his work over Lebedev's. So Lebedev is dethroned and his record now 29 wins and three losses. And of course, Gasiev now, the man that everyone's going to be looking at and paying attention to in the cruiserweight division, he's the new IBF World Cruiserweight champion with a record of 24 and oh. Lebedev was also down in round five, so he climbed up off the canvas and was able to, to see out the whole. Uh, remainder of the fight which is of course you know we don't expect any less from a man as tough as Denis Lebedev also on that bill we should mention um, there was a a great win to be honest for Dmitry Kudryashov he took his opponent out in the first round he's another cruiserweight who we need to pay attention to he got him finished pretty pretty early I think it was in about the first half of the first round, it didn't last long at all. It was for the vacant WBC silver cruiserweight crown. So Dmitry Kudryashov now... 20 wins and one loss. And I'm sure he'll be looking at that main event and he'll be wanting a piece of that perhaps in early 2017. But that's it for Russia. We're now going to go over to the Lagoon Leisure Centre in Paisley, Scotland, United Kingdom. We're going to start with the undercard. Um, two or three fights I want to mention on this build. John O'Carroll moved to 13-0 with a points win over eight rounds against Juan Luis Gonzalez. So John O'Carroll now thirteen and oh Paul Butler was on the bill. He moved to twenty three wins. Of course, he's got that one loss. He picked up a points win over ten rounds, and he was cut above the right eye in a head clash as well, Paul Butler. So uh, we don't like to see that, but a good win for him over an opponent who really didn't pose any threat. I'm surprised he didn't get him out of there, to be honest. Also, Stephen Ormond, he got out and he picked up a win over eight rounds. This one was you know eight rounds uh, fight. It was on points, his win. And he has a record now of 23 wins. And, of course, he's got those three losses. Uh, He got some revenge on his opponent, Zoltan Cezabo. Last time out, he picked up the win over Ormond. So good stuff there for Stephen Ormond. Also, Jack Catterall was on the bill. He moved to 17-0 on this bill. And he picked up a unanimous decision win over 10 rounds against Diego Gonzalo Luque. This one was for Jack Catterall's WBO Intercontinental Super Super lightweight title, and uh, to be honest, Jet Carroll didn't look very um, entertaining. It wasn't a, an entertaining fight. He wasn't overly impressive at all. Um, he was under impressive, in fact. I'd go on on record to say, um, you know, he got the job done. He won pretty much every round, I believe. And you know, his opponent really didn't offer much. But I think his corner were quite frustrated that he didn't get him out of there. He seemed to perhaps have injured his left hand. I think he winced a little bit when they took his glove off at the end of the fight. Um, I hope he's not injured, but I sort of hope he is injured. And that was the reason why he wasn't so impressive. I think he wasn't able to kind of use that left. And of course he's a Southpaw. So um, yeah, you know, he couldn't really load up on the big backhand punch. So, uh, you know, good win there nonetheless for Jack Catterall 17 and 0 now. So he closes out his year on a high and top of the bill. Billy Joe Saunders against Artur Akovov. Now, everybody thought that this fight was going to be an easy win for Billy Joe Saunders. Billy Joe Saunders had been out of the ring for pretty much, you may as well just say a year. It had been just under 12 months. And, um, of course, it was for Billy Joe Saunders' WBO world middleweight title. Um, Ayaz, I'm going to bring you in on this one. We didn't know nothing about Artur Akhavov before this fight. Uh, we thought that Billy Joe Saunders, as I said, as most people thought, was going to just beat him easily, really easily, just completely play with him. And we were very, very, very wrong. He came and gave it his all and pushed Billy Joe Saunders very, very close. A lot of people said he was quite lucky to hold on to his title. How did you see it? Uh, I'm
1: Exactly t- this thing, what you just said. To be honest, what, um, who was those people in the corner of Billy Joe Saunders? Where was uh, Mark Tibbs, Billy Joe's trainer? What was going on in that fight? It's like he wasn't, he he wasn't in he wasn't in the correct weight, right? He wasn't landing his shots proper. When he won, he won the title, for over a year ago, so it's been a year since he's fought Andy Lee and beat him, right? Um, he was meant to fight Max Bursak in April, right? And because of that injury, because of that hand injury, he's been out for a year and he's come back and he's um he's had this fight against Akikov. and to be honest right this was not an impressive performance i wasn't impressed on this and the one thing is right billy just wanted wants to fight a big name like Golovkin or canella and to be honest right by looking at that performance he's not ready but the one thing i'll tell you what is um it's the ring rust that could that could have been the problem that that's why he struggled in that fight
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, he stunk the place out, to be honest. He he lost a handful of those early rounds. Nobody could could make a case for him winning uh, about five of the first rounds or four of the first rounds. I think that the commentary was a tiny bit biased in favor of him. And I'm a little bit biased in favor of him because I'm a huge Billy Joe Saunders fan. I really, really like him. I know a lot of people listening to this may not be fans of him. You know, he seems to, he's kind of a little bit like Marmite. He's a little bit like Chris Eubank Jr. I know that they're completely nothing like him. Each other, but in the same respect as they are both kind of like marmite. You either love them or hate them. Um, I love both of them to be completely honest with you. A bit frustrated with Eubank Junior at the minute with with no fights lined up. But um, Billy Joe Saunders is a man I'm a big fan of, and he seemed to as the fight went on. He seemed to sort of warm into it a little bit. But I think the ring rust did play a factor. I think he may have even underestimated him. Um, I think he ballooned up a little bit in between the, uh, the, you know, in in that layoff and it took quite a while, took a lot out of him to to maybe lose that weight. Uh, Tyson Fury was ringside, which was great to see. He walked Billy Joe out. He was in the ring. He was holding the WBO world middleweight title above his head. He was, um, Seemed to be, you know, he seemed to look himself, seemed to be in good spirits. Everybody seemed to be very happy to see him. And that was really good to see. I like to see that. And also, as I say, because he was sitting ringside, he was sitting in the front row, he was really cheering Billy Joe on a lot. And I think that it sounds crazy, but I think he actually played a part in the win a little bit because Billy Joe Saunders seemed to really he was being G'd up by tyson i think tyson the fury was really really pumping him up a little bit and just kind of you know giving him an extra push and i think he had he, he was doing a brilliant job he really was i think billy joe saunders it kind of get, it gave him some extra extra push and like i say he got the job done at the end of the day um again a lot of people kind of seeing that as a little bit lucky it definitely definitely was very very close I didn't score the fight but it was very very close and I will say he came out straight away and said look I sunk the place out I can't call out Golovkin after a fight like that and he's very honest that's why I like Billy Joe he's very very honest and he'll be the first to admit and you know he's, he's his own biggest critic so you can't you know there's nothing but um you know there's nothing but respect from me towards someone who's who, who's like that you know I appreciate honesty and I appreciate people like billy joe a uh, nice touch from him as well he got a kid in the ring afterwards he invited a kid in the ring who um, i believe is had cancer and was able to beat it and had a boxing match uh, the other week and won. So he got him in the ring and, um, you know, I think he gave him his gloves that he fought with and sort of it was a great touch there from Billy Joe and again, another nice touch from 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 him and he is he's he should be commended really. I think a lot of people hate on Billy Joe for no reason, but we're going to leave that fight there. A good win for Billy Joe. He's now 24 and 0 and I think in next year, early next year, we need to see him out again. We need to see him a little bit more active and hope Hopefully, towards the end of the year, we can get that Golovkin fight in because the Billy Joe that fought Andy Lee and fought Chris Eubank Jr. maybe was a Billy Joe that I think... I'm not going to say could beat Golovkin, but I think it would be a good fight. And I hope that no one knocks me for saying that, but that's it for the UK. We're now going to fly out to America. We're going to go out to the holiday Inn in Johnson city, Tennessee, USA. One fight to mention on the undercard of this bill. Shane Mosley, jr. He moved to nine wins. That's nine wins from 10 professional contests. He's of course got that one loss. He picked up a TKO in round three over Omar Bearfield, who had a record of zero wins and 13 losses so not a marquee name not a marquee record but uh good win there for Shane Mosley he closes out the year on a high as well now that's really it for the reviewing I've tried to go through that as quick as I could uh Ayaz is here this week and he's got a bunch of news for us to listen to before we welcome our first guest of course Ayaz please bring in this week's news
1: Anthony Joshua has named Robin McCracken as his new head trainer
2: Yes, this is a piece of news that's not really took the hardcore boxing fans by surprise, I think it's fair to say. I saw a lot of casual boxing fans on Twitter, not that there's anything wrong with being a casual fan, but I saw a lot of guys sort of like, oh, what does this mean then? Oh, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, you know, a lot of people just don't follow the sport closely as as closely as others you know there's nothing wrong with that but um a lot of people knew that behind closed doors he is really the man responsible for Anthony Joshua and he's the man who is the secret ingredient if you like in in the way Joshua fights uh, Tony Sims has been a little bit of a front for him if you like he's be, kind of been the face of it all um, a, a lot of people also made a thing of how Tony Sims didn't really celebrate too much when Joshua won the title because he seemed like he wasn't really nothing to do with it. I'm not sure if you can look into that too much. But Tony Sims and Rob McCracken, of course. Rob McCracken, people will know that he is responsible for the Team GB squad and also Carl Frotch was trained by him. Uh, so, yeah, he's he's in there. He's a, he's a knowledge knowledgeable man a great great trainer it's it's always good to have him behind you i think this means this little change means that more of his time is going to be dedicated to joshua now whereas before tony sims did do bits and pieces he's still involved tony sims but it's both of them now who are looking after joshua so it's nothing but a good improvement if anything that we're going to see from joshua so great stuff there ahead of his big fight on the weekend that we're going to talk about very shortly uh ayaz is there any more news for us
1: yes um George Gross has confirmed he will fight Fida Chudinov for the vacant WBA super uh, middleweight title.
2: Yes. Now, Chudinov, of course, um, I think he... Uh, he was a champion and then he lost the title to Felix Sturm in which he got completely robbed like there was no tomorrow. And then Felix Sturm actually found a drug test and I'm not sure what was going on but it seems like they've stripped him or he's retired. I don't know what's happened but the, f- the title's been freed up and it's now vacant and it's on the line against George Groves. So I think the Sourlands have done a great job with George Groves uh, to get him into that position. Um, George Groves of course has been in- the one in the ring. He's been the one in the ring fighting and getting the wins but yeah george groves and the southlands have worked very well together to be honest and george groves will fight for that vacant title but i tell you what fedor chudnov is a tough tough fight and that is a really good fight for george groves george groves has fought for the world title now twice against froch once against badu jack and um once now, he'll be fighting against Chudinov. Now, they're all good fighters. You know, they are all good fighters. I think Badu Jack, is a great fighter, but you know, he's kind of viewed as a weaker champion than what Froch was, and Chudinov is not to be overlooked here, he's not to be underestimated Chudinov, I'll tell you what would be a good fight Chudinov against Badu Jack I think that is a real pick and fight it really is, maybe a lot of pe- a lot of boxing fans who, who may be listening might not know too much about Chudinov Chudinov is not the guy who got obliterated by Eubank Jr, that was Chudinov's younger brother, that was Dmitry Chudinov Fedor Chudinov is a classy, classy guy, i tell you what, he actually was the guy who fought Frank Bullione and Frank Bullione put in a great performance that night but um, of course he, he didn't get Get the win but Chudinov is a, a real good fighter and um, I think that's, that's a tough fight for Groves I think it's a it's another you know can you put Chudnov in there with the likes of Degau and say that he's better or worse than Degau he's, he's I'm telling you we haven't seen enough of Chudnov. we haven't seen you know we haven't seen him fulfill what he can do that's what I believe I think Chudnov could beat Groves so easily and we'd all go, oh, you know, Groves just ain't good enough. But really, it'd be because Chudinov's really that good. I'm not saying he's going to win the fight. I still think it's a close fight. Depends what George Groves turns up on the night. But that is no, there's no shame in losing to Chudinov because he is a top, top fighter. And I cannot wait for some of the other unifications in 2017. And hopefully in the coming times. I know that we've got DeGaul and Badu Jack unifying their titles. But imagine the winner of that against the winner of um Chudonov and Jules Groves at Ayers. I know you'd like to see that one mm-hmm, 100% that'd be juicy right Ayers, some more news for us
1: Conor McGregor has been given a Californian boxing license
2: yes um, I'm not sure you know if this really means anything I know that Mayweather doesn't fight in the state of California anyway, but he's been given a Californian boxing license which means perhaps he's going to fight in the state of California, but we can't I can't imagine him having a fight against anyone but Mayweather. I can only see that he's done this for the money. I can't see him taking a fight with the likes of Paulie Malignaggi like he's been making a hell of a lot of noise. Um, You know, he wants that fight. I think Shane Mosley's come out and said that he would um, knock McGregor out. Everybody's just trying to get that fight for the money and I can't blame them for doing that but i can't see mcgregor taking any of those fights but then i also can't see mayweather fighting in the state of california so no one really knows what's going on and it could just be a publicity stunt it could just be the fact that he's just done it to get everyone talking which has been a successful you know it's it's worked out and everybody is talking about it and he may just decide to to stick in the ufc and have another fight there so we really don't know what's going to happen and conor mcgregor's a smart enough guy uh, so, really, we can't comment too much on that, but hopefully he does make a move into boxing. It'll definitely be great to see uh, that happen. You know, there's I'm sure a lot of people listening will agree that there's a lot of people out there who, uh, you know, we've seen some silly comments online that McGregor would knock Mayweather out and stuff like that. And I think if the fight were to happen, you know, we'd see uh, an end to... UFC being so superior to boxing in some people's eyes, not in mine, of course. Eyes, uh, is there any more news for us at all? Yes, finally, George Groves put his short on sale, which he wore
1: against Mike Murray on eBay.
2: Yes, this is a piece of news that um, I think I, I really saw it a couple of hours ago or, or yesterday i think and um yeah george groves has put the shorts that he wore in the martin murray fight on ebay um the reason for that is because all funds raised will go to the family of edward gutnetsch that was the guy who george groves beat in his last fight a couple of weeks back and Gutnetch was was still in a coma um, he's stable, but in a very critical condition. I think he's been transported now back over to Germany. So while this is all going on, there's been a GoFundMe page set up. I think that's going to be the end of his boxing career, I'd imagine. And um, of course, you know, he's going to have to, um, you know, look for as much help as he can get. So a GoFundMe page has been set up and George Groves has put his shorts on ebay and all funds received or all funds raised i should say will go towards edward Gutnetch's family so that's a good touch there from george groves um so yeah great stuff there from Jules groves and of course anybody feeling generous head up to google find that Gutnetch page and um, give a small donation there if you can anything um you know no matter how small it is every little helps as they say so um Ayaz, is there any more news for us at all or can we bring in our first guest no, that's it for the news. Okay, thank you very much, Ayaz. Okay, that means there's one last thing to do on part one, and that, of course, is to welcome our first guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former WBO super lightweight world title challenger, Hammerin Hank Lundy. Hank, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me, man. It's all love. (laughs) Hey, it's all love. It is all love. Now, Hank, I want to talk to you a little bit about your upcoming fight, but we'll get on to that in a moment. I want to start firstly with something that caught my eye about you. It's the reason, really, the reason why you got into boxing in the first place. Now, in the movies, we see a lot of (laughs) normal guys go to school like everybody else, then they get into an altercation with a bully, and it all kind of stems from there. But with you, that actually happened. Could you tell us? That's a little bit about that incident that, I guess, looking back, really changed your life.
3: (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, at the end of the day, you know, um, growing up, I always could fight. But my main love was football. So, you know, one day in high school, you know, my principal used to call me Lil Tyson because that's all I used to do was fight, you know. And at the end of the day, it was a bully outside of school, you know. He was bullying the kids. And I I was walking out to school and he bumped me. You know, he wasn't supposed to be going into school and the principal was like, Go home, Lord Tyson, you know, talking to me. And I said, No, nah, I'm gonna wait for this guy after the school and you know, um when he come out to school because he's not supposed to be on the school premises and the next thing you know, I told the principal, I said, You can't do nothing Is at the school. So when the guy came out, we started fighting, he kicked me three times, man, and I didn't know what to do. But I bought up my fist, you know, and I threw my um, right hand out to the side. He looked, caught him with a straight left hand, and knocked him out cold.
2: Hey. <laughs> business <laughs> taken care of.
3: Right. Business taken care of. <laughs> then after that, you know, what happened, I ran home. Um, I went to football practice, and on the way, one of the guys was like, yo, the ball's still out there, knocked out. So after that, you know, I ran home, told my uncle. My uncle said, you know what, man? I'm taking your butt to a gym. Ain't nobody fighting no more. They shooting people. So, ever since that, you know, my uncle introduced me to the gym. I've been in the gym ever since.
2: Never look back. I like it. I like it. So, you've been a pro now for 10 years. You you fought some top fighters in that time. Uh, we, we Obviously, yeah. we ain't got time to go over all those guys. You've been in there with some good guys. Um, we're going to, if I can, if, if we can revisit your last fight, last time out you took yeah. on Terrence Crawford back in February of this year. Now, a lot of people, including myself, really rate Crawford. Maybe I even put him in the top three or four pound-for-pound fighters in the world. How good is he, in your opinion, and why did it not work out for you?
3: Well, you think about it. At the end of the day, you know, I ain't going to take nothing away from him. He's doing what he's supposed to do. But, you know, he's a big... You know, Junior Walter, with, you know, um the night of the fight, he was like 160. Hammer and Hank was like 145. But, you know, a lot of guys are scared of fighting. You know, one thing about me, I don't be scared to fight nobody that I'm going to fight. You know, it was just a big side difference, you know. um Really, with me, you know, it, it wasn't really no, I didn't feel no puncher power. I've been in there with some of the great punches you know. Like, a guy he about to fight now, John Molina, a good picture, puncher, and that's the hardest puncher I've ever been in there with with John Molina. You know, at the end of the day, it was just a side difference. I burned too much energy up trying to get to him. I was successful in the first four rounds, and half of the, f- the fifth round. You know, it's just me putting out too
2: much trying to get him and close the shelf. You right, Crawford, in your honest opinion, though, right?
3: Oh, yeah, yeah, most definitely, you know, and I, I want to crack at him again. <laughs>
2: yeah, no, uh, yeah, definitely.
3: I, seen something that I I seen something, you know, any, you know... Um, he make all the right adjustments, you know, but i seen a little, a little kink in his defense. And I, I'm quite sure, you know, with that fight with us, you know, a, a lot of people thought he was going to do better than, you know, um, what he did. I gave him a hell of a fight, you know. And he also said I was the toughest, you know, guy he fought, you know. It ain't no, 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 no easy cookie with Hank Lundy. I'm coming to fight, man. You know, being as though the fight went five rounds, but it was entertaining where I was winning the fight.
2: Yeah, I remember watching it. It was a good fight while it lasted. Um, I must ask you this. You you just mentioned there about fighting John Molina Jr., uh, saying that he's he's the biggest puncher that you've been in in, in the ring with. Um, Obviously, they're both fighting this weekend. Crawford's putting his his two belts on the line against John Molina Jr. How do you see that fight playing out? A lot of people saying that, you know, Crawford's going to... He's really tailor-made for Crawford. What do you think about that?
3: Well, well, everybody, if you look in... You know, that's not the same. I'm going to be truthful and honest. If you've been looking at the last couple fights John Molina had, he's not the same John Molina from when I I fought him, you know, and I knew him where he was right in front of you. You know, if you look at his corner, you can see certain adjustments that his corner is making. You know, John Molina, tell you the truth, is not going to be the John Molina that back in the day where he comes straight forward. If you look at the provocative fight, John Molina came out boxing. (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? You got to look at that and take that stuff into consideration. You know, that's not the same John Molina that just been coming and getting hit 24-7. I really think it's going to be a competitive fight, you know, whereas though he's going to think that John Molina's going to fight a certain way, he's going to come out looking a different way. My honestly opinion, Crawford is going to try to use the ring, and when John Molina, you know, comes to him or get close, he's going to hold.
2: Because I... When you said there that, that, that John Molina's changed in his last few fights, he, he's not the same John Molina. I thought you meant possibly that he declined a bit. I was going to say that Provodnikov win was, was a brilliant win for him. I really didn't think he had a chance in that fight. But, um, right. yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. So if you had to pick a winner out of those two guys, who do you, you reckon is going to win that fight?
3: I'm not going to lie. I'm leaning towards John Molina.
2: Oh, wow. That's a big call. Like, I,
3: I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, it's something about that guy, you know. And I there's no hate. You know, it just, you know, he shows up, and I'm looking at that last performance. And Crawford, you know, is either, I'm gonna put it like this: he's gonna rise to the occasion, or he's gonna fall.
2: So, if we was to say, um, if if we was to say, if it was to go to to a points decision, I, I think probably Crawford is more likely to win on points. If oh, it's yeah. gonna be a knockout, then oh, probably yeah. John Molina.
3: John Molina, and that's how I see it. You know, and I'm gonna keep it like that. That's how I see it. You know? Yeah, I
2: think that's a fair point, to be honest. And, of course, you've previously expressed that you're much better when you fight at 135 rather than 140. Yeah,
3: 135, you know, that's my weight class, you know. It just it frustrates me that nobody at 135 want to fight me at my real weight because they know, actually, down there, I'm the bigger person, you know, body-wise. You know, I'm five foot nothing. <laughs> I'm <laughs> five, six and a half, you know, but... I'm a, I'm a big problem for them guys And there. The speed, the power, you know, the movement around the ring, the fight in the inside. Nobody wants to fight me at 135, so that's why I fight at 140.
2: Yeah, because I was going to say, I thought that you may have been going to 135 for your next fight, but I see that this one is at 140. Um, no, it was yeah. at 135.
3: It was supposed to be at 135, yeah.
2: Oh, this fight coming up to 135, Yeah. Yes, yes. Okay, that's good news. That's good news. So, as I mentioned, your you fight, you're, of course, fighting on the 16th. Uh, your yes, opponent, 16th. your opponent, yeah, December 16th, th- this month, of course. Your opponent goes by the name of John Delperdang. Now, it's not it's not a household name or anything like that, but he does have nine knockouts from ten wins, right. which is something yes. that you can't overlook. Um, do you know much about him at all, Hank?
3: Oh, well, you know, I know he's a uh, um, comfort fighter, you know. He had some punching power. And, you know, in most of his fights, you know, he got, he, he's got got 11 fights. And, and them, them, 10, them, 10 knock, them 10 wins, he got nine knockouts, you know. And one thing about me, man, you know, I don't run in duck from nobody. You know, at first I was looking to fight Richard Abreu, a guy, you know, been dying to get me back in the ring. But I got a win over him. They turned the fight down. Um, we had some big names with a big record, and they turned me down. And that's what I'm saying. At 135, these guys don't want to fight. You know, and they stepped up. They said they wanted to fight, you know, so I, I'm going to give them a chance, you know. I'm not sleeping or, you know, looking over nobody. We're going to fight, you know, and I'm, I'm going to take this fight as a championship fight because it is for the UBF world title.
2: Yeah, yeah, of course. I think a lot of people overlook that that Abra win on your record. A lot of people forget about that.
3: Yeah, you know, and this guy, he was a guy that went in there and beat Brandon Rios, and he didn't get the nod. And I beat him, so you yeah. know. Like I said, at the end of the day, Hammer and Hank is the uncrowned champ, baby.
2: Hey, I like it. I like it. Now, um, yeah, obviously, you've been out the ring. Um, just by the time fight fight night comes around, it would have been just under ten months. So, um, right. what 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 have you been doing in that time? I'm sure that you're, you know, you can't wait to get back in the ring.
3: Oh man, well y'all know, man. I'm always working, man. Working on different things, you know. I've been at a couple camps. I'm uh, leading names out, you know. Um, but I've been working. You know, I ain't been just sitting back, not doing anything. I'm working, man, and I'm better than ever. Like I say, man, right now I just left the gym. I'm 138. You know, I'm close to 135 as we speak. You know, so I'm good. I'm ready to go, man. Listen, my main thing. I'm fighting at 135 now, and I might even go down to
2: 130. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's a big call. And Hank, I have to ask this to the guys that we speak to from overseas. Um. Which top fighters have you sparred with in the past? It doesn't have to be for this camp or even this year, but fighters that you've sparred with in the past, big names.
3: Adrian Broner, Sean Porter, you know, fights at one forty-seven. You know, good friend. Yeah. Um. Um. Oh man, it's been a lot, man. Mike Jones, you know. Um. Bag, it's been a lot, man. <laughs> I can't even name them all, but it's no, Robert Easter, uh, Jamal. Oh wow. Man. Yeah. Um. Oh man. Um, Lamont Peterson, Anthony Peterson. oh, It's too
2: Hammond. many. It's too
3: many. Lamont wrote, <laughs> Lamont wrote. you know, I've been in there with everybody, and everybody would tell you, Cameron and Hank, bring it, you know? When, you, yes. when, you, when you've been in the ring with me, man, you're going to like my work, and you're always going to want me to be in camp because I'm not, I'm not just coming in there to be a sparring partner. I'm coming to win a sparring match.
2: Yeah, yeah, of course, no, uh, you know, you, you, as you say, though, those names that you mentioned there, some serious talent, and, and that's good, you know, that, that is good, the, the stuff that goes down in the gym, obviously, um, create, molds you into the fighter that you will be under the lights, you know, so uh, that's exactly. that's brilliant exactly. stuff. And now, you know
3: Hank Lundy's bringing at every fight. <laughs>
2: hey, I know that, I know that, I know that, don't worry about that, and, um, in, in 2017, where will you be ideally? Where can you see yourself realistically in your heart of hearts? Do you think you'll be at 135 or, or will you be at 140? That's 135,
3: 130. You know, I'm pushing the issue. Um, I put it like this. If they offer me big money at 140, then I go to 40. But it got to be big money. But at, right now, I'm looking at my career and what I want, that world title. So it'd be 135.
2: Okay, that's perfect. And um, another fight that I was going to ask you about that I think you may have a little bit of interest in, is, of course, at uh, 147, a fight coming up in March of next year. Danny Garcia against Keith Furman. I've got to ask everyone about this fight. It's one that I'm really excited for. A unification, of course. How do you see that one going? That's a brilliant fight.
3: Well, a lot of people sleeping on Danny. But I I have I look at it, Danny Oh yeah, I forgot. Was, I forgot
2: you're from Philadelphia. <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah. Like you know, I, I keep it real. You know what I mean? If I feel as though he went in the favorite, I'll tell the truth, you know, like I always do. But I got Danny on this fight, you know. He's gonna show brilliant boxing skills. Like a lot of people counting him out against Matisse. Look what happened. Everybody looking at Keith Thurman puncher power. I think, you know, um Matisse was a dangerous puncher. Then um, you know um, then um, uh, what's the guy name? Um, Thurman. Yeah, then Thurman. You know, tell you the truth, and Danny got cracked, and he showed it well, you know. But at the end of the day, I like Danny to pro- possibly stop Keith Thurman. There's a couple times I've seen Keith Thurman get hit with with a body shot from Colasco and Sean Porter. He don't take them very well. So imagine if Danny go to that body and bring that hook up. Good night.
2: Ooh, he's intriguing though that fight definitely definitely one of the, yeah, one a, of the fights fight. i'm looking you forward know, to what's
3: going to happen you know um i already know what keith thurman going to try to do he's going to try to outbox danny you know and move but you got to look at the thing you got to beat the champ so if you want to beat danny and take that belt you got to go to him and take the fight to him keith thurman is not going to risk going in there and getting cracked by danny You know, and I'm I'm keeping it real. You know, you gotta look at both sides. Like Keith Thurman got the speed, and he has power too. But I'm looking at Danny. You know, he could box, and he could also go on the inside too. But you know, he not a win. I'm I'm gonna give him his props. He not a win these fights, and I really, I'm really, I'm really leaning towards Danny in this fight.
2: Okay, fair point, fair point. Now, I have to ask this again to everybody that we speak to from the U.S., I have to ask this. I get moaned at if I don't ask it. Um, Uh, Hank, from the past or the present, who would you say, when I I ask you, who is your favorite fighter from the U.K., past or present, who comes to mind as your favorite fighter from any time?
3: Joe Karazaki.
2: Okay, yeah. A lot of people say him, uh, you know, a class yeah. fighter, 46-0, and 0, yeah. retired with his own. So, uh, yeah,
3: props to I like this like style, man.
2: Yeah, no, he was, a, he was a quality, quality fighter. And I've got to ask you this now. Now that you said that you're going to be at 135, have you got your eye on any of the champs at 135 at all? If so, who?
3: Give me Vernango. You know, I've been in there with Robert Easter, but I doubted if they would ever fight me. Robert Easter, you know. Um, I think that'd be a good fight. Um, I want Venango, though. You know, Phyllis Venango. You know, you put him in there with a guy like Hank Lundy, I guarantee I'll break him, you know. Uh, you got to think about it. I've been fighting these guys at 140. They know at 135 I'm a bad man. That's why they stay away from me. you know. Um, Give me him or give me um any of the champs. What's the um the guy that just fought? Oh, man, what's his name? He's from over there. I forgot his name. He fight at... Lightweight, he just want to fight.
2: All oh, right, Terry Flanagan, my country.
3: Yeah, give me him. Give me, I take Terry Flanagan. I want him bad. Give me him, and I come over there.
2: He's got the WBO title, yeah.
3: Yes, sir. I come over there, no problem. Give me him.
2: So, so when would you, when when would you be ready for for, for that kind of fight? I know obviously it's going to be 2017, but how soon would you like that fight I'm with Terry right Flanagan?
3: I'm ready right away, man. I'm never out of shape. Listen, like I told you, I'm just getting in the gym. I left the gym 37. After eating and everything, I'm 1.30 now. I'm ready right now, you know? Just give me a contract. I'm ready to go.
2: Now, my final question for you, I've got to ask you this because um, we, we're obviously in December now, so we're getting into that Christmas spirit. So the, the thing I've got to ask you is, what is, your, what is on your Christmas wish list for 2017? What do you, what do you want from boxing in 2017 from, from your own point of view? What, what fights would you like? Just tell me what's on your wish list.
3: Winning a world title, you know, um, taking my family to a better heights, you know, in life. But more, more so, give me what I deserve—a world title shot at 135.
2: Well, hopefully, you do get that—that that Terry Flanagan fight. that will be that'd be really good. And there, there are a lot of guys over here. Believe it or not, there are a lot of guys over here who are big fans of yourself. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of people listen to this to, to this show and a lot of people, um, you know, are fans of you that listen to this. So just again, just before I let you go, have you got any kind of message at all for any of your UK followers?
3: Oh, man, I put it like this, man. You you know, they know real boxers, man, at the end of the day, man. So everybody that's riding with Hank Lundy, man, I appreciate the love and support. And I'm going to believe it like this. Cameron, Hank, coming to a city and town near you. Watch out. Thanks for the love.
2: (laughs) Brilliant stuff. Okay, listen, Hank, it's been a pleasure speaking with you, my friend. I appreciate you giving us a bit of your time this week. I wish you all the best for the 16th, and we'll catch up sometime after your fight.
3: Appreciate the love and support, man, and thanks for having me.
2: Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, the preview part, where we preview the fights coming up this weekend. A few places that we've got to visit, a few different venues that we've got to mention. We're going to start with one happening over in Belarus, in Minsk, at the Palace of Sport. I like that venue name. Uh, top of the bill over there, Sergei Rabchenko. He was the man who was looked after by Ricky Hatton a, a couple years back or a couple months back. Um, it was a while ago now. I don't know if he's still with Ricky Hatton. I, I really can't tell you that the the. Truth on that one, but his record at the moment 27 and 2. He takes on Robison on Saravili, who has a record of 25 and 13 with three draws. What a mouthful that name is! But uh, Sergei Ravchenko, when he's on his He's, um, you know, when he's on his form, he's he's a good fighter, but we'll have to see what happens there. Again, that one's over in Belarus. That's it for Belarus. We're now going to go over to the United Kingdom in Tolworth, London, at the Tolworth Recreation Centre. A a card that we should mention this one because there's a few young prospects on the bill. Larry Eckendale's on the bill. He looks to pick up his 12th career win, his opponent yet to be announced. Kirk Garvey on the bill in his eighth contest. Uh, Sonny Edwards looks to move to three you know that's the brother of charlie edwards he takes on craig derbyshire who actually fought charlie edwards and i believe charlie edwards is pro debut so both brothers looking to get a win over the same man There, that's a bit cheeky and also on the bill tony banj he looks to pick up his third professional win he has a record of two and zero. he's in a four-rounder at super world to eight he's the man who's being looked after by Uh, Prince Nassim Hamed, so that's probably a name that we should listen out for. That's it for Tollworth over in London, UK. We're now going to go over to Mexico at the Arena Monterrey um, in Nuevo León there's a fight over there that we should mention top of the bill julio caesar chavez jr this one has gone under the radar no one i've seen talking about this at all his record 49 wins and two losses with the one draw he looks to pick up his 50th win half a century he's trying to get as many fights in as his old man i think uh, in the other corner dominic bridge who has a record of 32 and two with the one draw a very padded record i've had a little look at his record uh, chavez jr should get the job done here this this one's a 10 rounder at a catch weight of 169 pounds. I really can't understand why it's been made at that weight, but you know what? Chavez Jr. kind of does what he likes, but that's it for Mexico. We're now going to go over to Auckland, over in New Zealand, at the Vector Arena. We had him on our show last week. Top of the bill, Joseph Parker, twenty-one and O. He takes on Andy Ruiz Jr., twenty-nine and O, Twelve rounds in the heavyweight division for the vacant WBO World Heavyweight Title. Joseph Parker, as I said, he was on the show last week. He's a great guy. Both guys' records combined fifty and O. Somebody's O's got to go. Ias, tell me who's O is going to go. I reckon Joseph Parker's going to win by a knockout. Do you reckon it's going to be early or, or, or late? Late rounds by 10-11. Okay, because he, a lot of people question, I'm not questioning it, but a lot of people question Parker's gas tank. I think the same for Ruiz Jr. He hasn't really been pushed um, in those later rounds by a, a top-quality fighter anyway. So that should be interesting there in the later rounds. That That will be where... We can. We're going to see who's who's really made of the tough stuff. So a good fight there between Joseph Parker and Andy Ruiz Jr. And I hope that Joseph Parker goes and gets the job done. What a fight that is set up to be! Both guys relatively untested. Joseph Parker been in the bigger fights with the bigger names, I suppose. A few good fights back to back. I say good fights, good names. He's fought back to back, and he's got the job done in all of them. That one is going to be, by the way, that one is going to be on Box Nation. Uh, that's on Saturday morning at 8am so if you're an early riser which I'm not um, if you're not then you'll have to tape it like I'm going to do but on 8am on the dot on Box Nation, that's when that card starts. I think it, it's on for a few hours, so uh, I'm not sure what time the main event will be coming, but of course with the big time difference, it starts at 8am. So if you're interested in the Parker and Ruiz Jr. fight, tape that on Box Nation and watch it when you're up. Of course, then at 5.30, the big one starts, and then that's over on Sky Box Office. We're going to talk about that card in a minute, and then after that, I believe on Box Nation at 2 in the morning, the other big one starts. So again, that's Another fight we're going to get onto in a moment. But that's really it for Auckland, New Zealand. We're now going to move from New Zealand straight over to Manchester, Lancashire. In the United Kingdom, this was the other big bill I was talking about, the MEN Arena. Um, we're going to start with the undercard because there's some good fights on the undercard. Conor Ben gets out again. He looks to pick up his sixth professional win. He's in a six rounder at welterweight this one. Uh, Katie Taylor, she gets out again. Of course, she had a fight just two weeks ago. She's back out against Vivian Obenaft. Now Vivian Obenaf, in her last fight, she beat Karina Kapinska. That was the girl that Katie Taylor beat in her debut. So this girl has a record of um, nine and one. So of course, as I said in her last fight, which was in October of this year, she beat Karina Kapinska. So Kapinska lost in October to this girl. And she lost in November to Katie Taylor. So both girls coming off of a win over the same girl. Uh, That that should be an interesting fight. That's a six-rounder, of course. Six two-minute rounds at lightweight for Katie Taylor and Vivian Obenaft. So uh, Katie Taylor should get the job done here, of course. Marcus Morrison's also on the bill. He looks to proceed to 14-0. He's in a six-rounder at 154, the super welterweight division. Also on the bill, Luis Ortiz. He takes on Dave Allen. Luis Ortiz, 26-0. Dave Allen, 9 one and one Dave Allen was on the show last week as well I know he's very very confident I as I know that um Obviously, me and you, we're, we're, we're pretty big fans of Dave Allen as a person. He's a nice, nice guy. Very, very nice guy, actually. We had a little conversation about KFC when the phone went down last week. He's a real nice guy. Real pleasure to talk to him every single time. But he's in the deep end big time here against Lewis Ortiz, isn't he? Um, of course, when Malik Scott fought Ortiz, he was on the foot a lot. You know, he was on his feet a lot. He was moving a lot. He didn't really want to stand there and trade. Dave Allen isn't really blessed With the fleet feet that Malik Scott has, and I don't think Dave Allen fights like that, and he can't really fight like that. He said that he can box and move. We'll have to see if that's going to be the case, but he seems to be a person that will stand and trade, and if he stands and trades with King Kong Ortiz, a lot of people don't think it's going to end well for him. What's your thoughts on that fight, Ayaz? Has has, um, big man David Allen got any chance in that fight against Ortiz?
1: With Ortiz experience and punching power, to be honest, I can see Ortiz taking him out
2: early. Yeah, the thing is, Dave Allen's got a real rock-silly chin. I know that, you know, everyone can be knocked out at the end of the day. Well, I was going to say it's going to be a good fight. It really depends what happens here. I think that Dave Allen is going to be, it's an easy task when you look at it on paper. But I said to him, you know, fight someone one on paper. So I would love in some kind of crazy fantasy world, for dave allen to win here because that would just be unbelievable but of course lewis Ortiz, 26 and oh oh it's an eight rounder at heavyweight i just hope dave allen can do something to win this fight because that will be one of the biggest upsets probably of the decade i think if he can if he can do that also on the bill callum smith 21 and 0 He's recently vacated his EBU title, by the way. He's defending his British super middleweight title here against Luke Blackledge. So Luke Blackledge, 22-2 and two, with the two draws. Um, Callum Smith, is, this is a better fight than some people think it is, but I think Callum Smith should get the job done pretty easy. When he gets in these fights with his journeyman that he's supposed to win, he looks terrible, but when he gets in a fight where you think, oh, this one could be a bit tricky, he seems to win pretty easy. He seems to win with, with early knockout usually so uh, I think he's going to probably get the job done in similar fashion here also on the bill Hosea Burton against Frank Bollione this one is a fight that I'm looking forward to possibly most on this build, this. It's, it's a lot we're kind of spoiled for choice. A lot of people weren't happy with the bill. I'm very happy with it. It's for the British light heavyweight title. That's the one that Jose Burton holds. It's a 12 rounder, of course. Jose Burton 18 and 0, Frank Wiglione 18 and 2 with the one draw. Wow, I'm really looking forward to this one. I as I tell you what, if we go to a prediction here, how do you see that fight going? Who would you pick to win that one? Jose Burton against Frank Wiglione. That is a serious 50 50 fight.
1: I'm going to go for Jose Burton win.
2: Right. Okay. All right. I'm going to go for Frank Bulioni. We're 2-2 two, two at the minute, I think. Are we 2-2 two, two at the minute on predictions? Yes. Okay. We're 2-2. Two, two. I'm going to go with Frank. I think that's a good fight. I know that we had Frank on our show a few months back when the first fight was scheduled. Then he had to pull out because of that cut on his eye. And now... Is happening, so I'm happy that the fight didn't just escape us like many fights do, and I'm really looking forward to that one. I really, really am. Uh, also on that bill, Dillian White against Derek Chisora. This one's for the British heavyweight title, Dillian White's title. Dillian White 19 and one, Derek Chisora 26 and six. I as this one. I seriously, I'm telling you this. This one is so hard. To pick a winner for me. I think this is a 50-50 fight. Not even a 51-49. This is a proper 50-50 in my opinion. How do you see it?
1: I can see um, Derek Chisora winning this fight on point. I can't wait for this fight. Because the thing is. This is actually a grudge match.
2: Yeah, it's been built up. Obviously, we've seen the gloves are off when the water went flying and they had a little roll around on the floor. Then at the press conference on Wednesday, we seen Derek Chisora throw a table, which was quite unbelievable and it was quite, quite um, staggering to see how relaxed Dillian White was. I think people have got some, you know, some snapshots of when the table's flying through the air and Dillian White's just smiling with his hand on his chin. It's, it's quite unbelievable, but um, that is a proper 50-50 fight. Eyes, I wouldn't be surprised if I have a man won it just to make it spicy i think i'm gonna go with a dillian white win so if you're going with chisora i'm going with dillian white hopefully there's a little bit of ruffled feathers on the 2-2 prediction um, scores at the minute but that one is gonna be i, I don't i think it's got a potential to be a great fight to be a great fight to watch but if i'm being completely honest i think it's gonna be a stinker to watch i really do i think Both, I mean, Chisora's a pressure fighter, but I think he's definitely well over the hill. Dillian White doesn't hit hard enough to knock Chisora out because Chisora's a tough, tough, tough guy. He's very um, durable. He's got a good chin apart from that one night against David Hay at Upton Park, but hey-ho. I think that it's a real, it's a, it's a real good fight. I think it could be because they're pretty, uh, I don't want to say they're similar, but I think their styles could turn into a real boar fest. But then we've seen, we've seen people say the same thing about Frankie Gavin and Sam Egginson and we got everything but that. So h- who really knows what the fight's going to be like, but I would not be surprised if it's a proper boar fest. But I hope I'm wrong. But um, just to make it interesting, I'll go with Ilian White. I know he's the favourite in the betting shop. Uh, that one is for the British heavyweight title, as I said. Also on the undercard, Lewis Conception puts his WBA World Super Flyweight title on the line. His record 35 and 4. He takes on Cal 20 and oh. Cal has been on the show before, friend of the show. We're definitely pulling for him to win this one. I as it's a tough, tough fight, though, against uh Lewis Conception he's a two weight world champion he's a bit of a beast to be honest with the fights i have seen of his uh Kyle though, has a very promising prospect do you think he can go out there and become the new WBA super flyweight champion of the world on saturday night yes i think i think he'll be doing i've seen like some
1: of Kyle Yafai's videos he's inspiring or oh, he's he's in very good shape and he's up for this fight i think he's a very special talent
2: yeah, I think he's been in shape for quite a while. You know, he always is in shape, to be honest. But the fight pictures that I've seen, not the fight pictures, the training pictures that I've seen of him weeks before um, before this week. You know, weeks, weeks and weeks ago, he looked in tremendous shape then. He's hes really, he's got a, r- a real good body for a super flyweight. Not that super flyweights don't have good bodies, but he's ripped to shreds. So, Kau Fai in good shape, and hopefully he can go and get that job done. I really hope he can. Also on the undercard, Scott Quigg fights for the vacant WBA in international featherweight title scott quigg 31 and 1 with the two draws uh, he takes on jose Kaetano 20 wins and four losses eddie hearn promised a big um fight for scott quigg here uh, a lot of people not familiar with Kaetano he's not really a big name or anything like that but his record is um, better than it Suggests he is. You know, he's better than his record suggests, I, sh- I should say. That's the right word wording. Keitano's uh, been in a couple of tough fights, but I think that Scott Quigg should get the job done here. This one's at featherweight, of course, so I'm interested to see how he looks at featherweight. But Scott Quigg is a good fighter. I know that, you know, he, he didn't fight well when he fought Carl Frampton, he broke his jaw, etc., etc. But I think Scott Quigg's a classy fighter. I really do. I don't think that, again, he's another man that gets a lot of hate online, and I don't think he deserves it. I think it's, it's not very very nice. But that's it for that undercard fight. We're going to we're going to move on to the main event now. Anthony Joshua 17 and 0. He puts his IBF World Heavyweight title on the line against Eric Molina 25 and 3. Eric Molina, we've had him on the show previously twice and then he landed this Joshua fight. I've been trying to get him on the show, but he's too big time for us now. So um I wish him all the best in this fight. I truly do. And, of course, I, I wish Anthony Joshua the best as well. Both, both men I'm big fans of. Eric Molina more on a personal level. A lot of people don't know. A lot of people haven't wanted to say this, it seems, during, since this fight's been made. Uh, Eric Molina has only just recently, if I'm not mistaken, quit his full-time job. I know that um, I think he's quit his job. But uh, he was, up until very recently, he was actually teaching children. He he told this to us exclusively on our show. We were the first British outlet, or news outlet, if you like. I don't know what you want to call us. Uh, We were the first British people he actually admitted to that he had a full-time job of teaching children with um, learning difficulties and, and, I think, mental disabilities. So... That's a you know it's a great it's a great job to have I suppose it's a hard job a lot of people couldn't do it but it goes to show he's a nice guy to to, to take on a job that challenging to also get in the ring so he's a school teacher um, for, for for children with special needs so I think that we've got to take our hats off to a man that, that takes on a job like that it just so happens that he's got a bit of a um, an ability in boxing as well but I think he's had to give that up to pursue his boxing career on a more serious level I know that the Deontay Wilder fight he was still a teacher throughout that whole camp. Sometimes he was even going to, to to teach his class while he should have really been at the gym. I think he's left all that behind now. Um, so credit to Eric Molina. He's one of the nicest guys we've ever had on this show, and I truly do mean that. We've had a, a bunch of great guys. But he is a real, a real nice guy, and he deserves all the best in this fight. But I question a man that's not 125% dedicated to the sport, and they've also got another job and all this stuff. I don't know if they can actually go in there and beat someone like Anthony Joshua. So I don't know if I could call it a mismatch. That might be a little bit too harsh, to be honest. But I think Anthony Joshua will probably get the job done here. But Eric Molina, we've seen him in there against Deontay Wilder. He was hurt, he was dropped, and then he went on to wobble Deontay Wilder. But, you know, so did Dillian White go on to wobble Anthony Joshua and we know what happened. So it doesn't really mean much. He got wiped out in the first round against Chris Areola. Uh, I know that Chris Ariola's is pretty dangerous in the early rounds. A couple of years back, that was. But um, I think that Joshua will probably get another knockout win here. Ayaz. I think that you probably pretty much agree with what I'm saying there. Do you reckon Joshua is going to go out there and become 18-0 and and retain his IBF World Heavyweight title pretty easy?
1: Yes, I reckon Joshua will knock him out easy.
2: Early rounds?
1: Within the 5-7 uh, to seven rounds.
2: Five to seven. Mm, a lot of people going a bit earlier. I reckon a little bit earlier. I hope I'm wrong. I truly do. I wish all the best to Eric Molina. I truly do. And may the best man win this fight. But that's it for the Manchester Arena. A big, big card there. Again, that one starts at five: thirty on Sky Sports box office this Saturday. So tune into that one. You know, everyone's going to be tuning into that one. That's going to be a huge bill. And also going over now to Los Angeles in California, top of the bill, Jamal Charlo, 24. 4 and oh, He puts his IBF World Super Welterweight title on the line against Julian J. Rock Williams 22-0 oh, with the one draw. Somebody's O's got to go. This is a real intriguing fight. I've heard a lot of talk from uh, Paulie Malinagi saying how interested he is for this fight. He sees it as a real 50-50. Uh, Jamal Charlo is a, a real good fighter. This is Jamal Charlo, the IBF champion. A lot of people say the better of the two brothers. He takes on Julian Williams. Julian Williams can crack as well. Both men a really, really, really good fight. This is such a good fight. It's a bit of a 50 50. Might swing a tiny bit in Charlo's favour, but Julian Williams is no slouch. He's here to, you know, he's not here to make up the numbers. He's in there to win that fight and win it big. He called Jamal Charlo a chicken. He called both of his brothers, no, he didn't call them chickens. He called them turkeys. It was a funny statement. He called both of uh, the Charlo twins turkeys. I wasn't sure which one he was talking to at the time. I think he was talking to either of them, and he seems to have landed the shot. Now, So it's time for the talking to rest and the fighting start. So I cannot wait for that one. That's going to be a huge, huge fight. I cannot wait for that fight. Also on the bill, Jesus Andres Cuellar, or better known as Jesus Cuellar, really. Uh, he puts his WBA world featherweight title on the line against Abna Quella or Quella, I should say. I think I'm getting it wrong a little bit. His pronunciation there. So sorry if I am. His record 28 and 1. He fights Abnamares 29 and 2 with the one draw. This is a real real good fight as well. Another proper good fight on that card. Another great fight for Saturday. Saturday is just raining world title fights and raining real good 50-50 fights, and this one is another one. Also on that bill, Erickson Lubin, he looks to pick up his 17th career win. He's in a 10-rounder at middleweight against Juan Ubaldo Cabrera, who has a record of 23 and 1. That should be a good fight there. Mario Barrios is on the bill. He looks to move to 17 and oh. Also on the bill, Jose C Lopez he's out in his 41st contest he's got 33 wins and 7 losses at the minute he takes on a guy who to be honest he should get an easy win over a guy with 12 wins and 11 losses with the one draw Todd Manuel is his name that's it for the California show we're now going to go over to the last big build to mention, I should say, the last big build to mention, we're going to start with a fighter on the undercard. We've got to give him a little shout-out there for his fight. We've had him on the show before. Everybody that we've had on the show, we, we, we tend to give him a bit of love afterwards. You know, we don't just love you and leave you. We stick with you. We stay loyal. Mike Reed. that's Mike, yes, indeed, Reed. He's in his 21st professional contest. He's 20-0 and 0 at the moment. He's a promising young fighter. He takes on Sidney Sicera, who has a record of 26-11 and 11 with the one draw. Mike Reed's a good fighter, As I said, look out for him. We'll be talking about him in the near future. I know we will. He is really, really good. Also on that bill, the top fight, perhaps, of the whole entire night. Terence Crawford, WBC World Super Lightweight Champion and WBO World Super Lightweight Champion. He puts his belts on the line against John Molina Jr. John Molina Jr. 29 and 6. And he can really bang. As we spoke to Hank Lundy earlier, he said that John Molina Jr. is the hardest puncher he's been in with. And he's been in, the, in there with some good fighters, as he went on to tell us. And Terence Crawford, 29-0, and 0, looking for that 30th career victory. Terence Crawford, you know, one of the best fighters in the world, to be honest. And as I said, Hank Lundy said that he's picking John Molina Jr. to get the job done here, which is a bit of a... Big call to be honest. I think that Terence Crawford uh, can win this fight. I think that he will win this fight. I think that the style's a little bit made for him. I think Molina, as uh, it's very, it's, it's a good point that Hank made earlier because he said that since. Molina has um, changed his style a little bit he likes to box rather than brawl and since he's done that he has seemed to be a different type of fighter but I think that Crawford's so classy he can adjust to anything and uh, the old John Molina Jr. would have played straight into Crawford's hands and it'll be interesting to see which Molina turns up because if Crawford can frustrate him then Molina will go back to you know, the the Molina that he is deep down, the brawler, the one who likes to have a fight, likes to have a tear up and likes to throw big shots, whether they're you know, missing or they're landing. He likes to throw some big, big shots and he can get picked off all night by Crawford if he starts fighting like that. So that one is intriguing that of course, he's coming from the century link center in Omaha, Nebraska, the hometown of Terence Crawford. What a fighter he is. That card again, is live on box nation at two in the morning on Saturday night slash Sunday morning. So tune in for that one. That's going to be a good, good fight as well. And that's really it for Omaha, Nebraska. There's one Last card to mention, it's just one fight to mention, to be honest. It's a bit of, we kind of ended it on a bit of a low here, uh, over in the Sands Bethlehem Event Center in Pennsylvania USA that is the venues I like I like the Sands event centers I like the casino and resorts and the gambling halls I love all those venues this one is a former world champion well over the hill I'm not sure why he's still fighting to be honest Kermit Cintron 38 wins 5 losses and 2 draws he gets in there against Rosenberg Gomez it's an 8 rounder at welterweight this one uh, Gomez has a record of 19 and 5 with a 1 draw Kermit Sintron, of course a great fighter in his day he is well over the hill as i said and uh, he looks to pick up his 39th professional win and maybe he will maybe he won't we'll have to let you know on next week's show if that fight actually does end up taking place but that was the last fight that we had to mention on the preview part of this week's show the last thing to do before we end part two of course is to welcome our second guest Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Golden Boy Boxing's Diamond from Ireland. His nickname is El Mao. It's, of course, Mr. Jason Quigley. Jason, welcome to the show. Hi, right, Joey. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's my pleasure, my friend. It's my pleasure. Now, Jason, first things first, you're fighting next weekend in California on the Bernard Hopkins undercard. We'll get onto that in a moment. Uh, I just want to touch on this. Last year, you had six fights in the calendar year. This year, you've only had two. This will be your third one. Is there any reason behind that at all, or is it just a case of, you know, you're stepping up the level now?
0: Yeah, well, of course, I have been stepping up a level. um, That's number one, but Number two was that I was meant to fight on the Canelo Smith undercard in Texas, and I sprained my wrist in the training camp leading into that fight, so I wasn't able to I wasn't able to fight on that card, so that obviously set me back a fight or two, you know. So I just had to sit back, I had to be patient, I had to take my time, you know. I had to let the hand just rest and recover. I was lucky; it was nothing serious. It was just a sprained wrist, but uh, you know, you, you have to be um, you have to be very careful in this game my hands or my tools and uh you know I had to make sure everything was right and it is everything's 100% now and I'm ready to put on a great show come
2: December 17th excellent stuff yeah I thought it might have been that I heard some whispers and I just I'm, I'm glad that we cleared that one up now last time yeah, well, out yeah. you fought James De La Rosa now that was back in May on the Canelo Khan undercard Boy, you've been a part of some big shows, you know. You've been I've been looking, you've been on some really big shows. Now, that was a really good performance by yourself. Uh, talk us through that win, because it was very comfortable for you. A lot, a lot more comfortable than a lot of people thought. That's the kind of fighter I am, you know.
0: When I get in there and the opposition starts getting better, I get better. I rise to the occasion. I start performing a lot better. And, you know, these are the kind of fights that I've been looking for. And these are the kind of fights that I want since I've turned professional, you know, fighting these guys that are that are experienced fighters that are there to test me and it's all about me proving myself and showing everybody what I'm capable of. I know what I'm capable of. Now's the chance for me to gain all my fans, show all the show all the fans that have been following me for so long and keeping an eye on me, exactly what they're in for in the near future because I'm here and I mean business. And, you know, my fight against James Del Rosa was my first big step up. And it was a massive step up on paper because I hadn't been past four rounds as a professional. I've had 10 fights. James Del Rosa the beat a former world champion. He's gone the distance numerous of times, a lot, lot more experienced than me. But me and my team knew exactly the level that I'm at. And we knew that that was the perfect fight and the perfect time to step up. And now it's all about no holding back. Full steam ahead, keep stepping up, keep fighting these guys with good experience, keep learning, keep growing as a fighter and um you know, it's all about climbing that ladder
2: right now and doing it in style. Absolutely. Well said. Now, you won every round of that fight across all three of the judges' scorecards. You actually did a better job on him than Curtis Stevens did the other week. I thought we'd just get that out there. Um, Now, you're fighting, as you said, on the 17th of this month against Jorge Melendez. Uh, Not a fighter I know too much about, but what I did see when I looked at his record is he's got 28 knockouts from 30 wins, which means he can definitely punch. Uh, He's been in there with some decent fighters. What do you know about him, Jason, aside from the fact that he can certainly bang? Obviously, you know, when the opponent came
0: to me, me and my team looked it up. You know, we had a look to see who this guy was, what he was, and what he was all about. And, um, you know, we looked at his record. We looked at his fights. And, of course, he brings a good knockout percentage to the table. He brings a lot of experience to the table. But, you know, I don't really worry about anybody that I get in with because I know that I have trained 110% and I have prepared myself better than any man is going to be looking across the ropes from me because I get in there. Every fight is if it's my world title fight because every fight is my world title fight. It gets me that one step closer to achieving the goal that I've set out for myself of becoming world champion. And Jorge Melendez is just another hurdle in my
2: journey to getting there. And it's just time for me now to take him out of there. Absolutely. Now you're in a division, the 160 division where, um, Golovkin's pretty much the man in charge right now. Uh, there's a potential of him fighting Danny Jacobs. Do you have any kind of opinion on that fight if it does come off at all? Yeah, I
0: think it's going to be a very interesting fight. Um, you know, of course, I think Golovkin's going to win. I think his power's going to overcome and you know his uh, his relentlessness. You know, keep coming forward, keep plodding away, and keep hitting you hard with big shots. That's what he's all about. I think Danny D- Danny Jacobs. Has the style. You know, a good boxer will beat Gennady Golovkin. And as simple as that, the only key is of keeping him off and keeping him off you for the 12 rounds. You know, you have to pin him and you have to hit him and hurt Golovkin hard and make him think twice about coming forward because that's his style. That's what he does. He just keeps coming forward. He has good skills also. He's not just a come-forward fighter. You know, he has a lot of good skills, his timing, his distance, everything is good. But somebody in there needs to hit Golovkin, needs to hurt him, and needs to stand their ground and show him, not show him that much respect that everybody else is showing him. I obviously can't. I can say that by watching. I haven't been hit by Gennady Golovkin. I haven't been in the ring with him. I don't know what he's like. But me, outside the ring, looking in now, and of course I'm looking at all these fighters that have belts. I don't have nobody in my in my head that I'm like, I wanna fight him because I don't like him or I wanna fight him because he's my enemy or any of this. Every guy that has a belt, them's the guys that I want because this is what I'm in the sport to do is to collect them belts. And I'm looking at all these guys. I'm on my journey now to doing that. But I have to take it one fight at a time, one step at a time, and I cannot overlook anybody. And especially now, December seventeenth, that is my main focus. That is my main goal: getting in there, performing well, putting on a great show, finishing the year off with a bang, and keeping that going into
2: twenty seventeen. Yeah, and it sounds like by what you're saying there that you know you want to you want to take one fight at a time, do the learning fights, get through those, build everything slowly but 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 well, and. Um, you know, kind of don't waste no time in getting to those bigger fights. But there is another fighter out there that I do have to mention to you. I don't know if you've got any kind of relationship with him, possibly. You might be friends. You might be enemies. I haven't got a clue. But um, a lot of guys from Ireland like to fight in the U.S. You've got, obviously, a middleweight the likes of Andy Lee. I don't really know what he's doing right now. But Gary Spike O'Sullivan, he's a man that he's been on this show a couple of times. I've got a lot of time for him. He's a lovely guy. What's your opinion on him? Could a fight between you guys ever arise? Right now, put that fight out
0: there to the public. Um, do they want to see Jason Quigley and Spike O'Sullivan fighting? Personally, I don't think that people want to see that. Like, Spike's a great lad. Me and Spike, I get on really well with Spike, you know, and I think he's a great fighter. He's a great person. I really like him. He's a funny dude as well, you know, yeah. but for me... I'm on the stage of my career. I want to fight guys that are going to help me get to that world title. And if Spike comes along on my pathway and I have to fight him, well, that's what it's going to be. Do you know what I mean? But is Spike going to drop down and fight a guy with 11, 12 pro fights? Do you know what I mean? We have to kind of look at this. This is a business now as well. This isn't just getting into the ring and fighting. You know, this is a business. And, um, you know, you have to be very smart here and you have to make the right decisions. You know, of course, if there was a belt on the line or if it was an eliminator, a means fight, of course, the both of us would grab that fight with both hands. Not because we dislike each other or because we want to fight each other, because of the belts, because of where it will get us. You know what I mean? If the fight happens, it happens. I'm not sure if well, I'm doing a lot of my fighting over here. He's calling out a lot of those English guys, Glaxo like, Cushy Bags again and Anthony Agogo and everything like that. You know what I mean? So, Maybe he's looking at a different path than the one that I'm on right now, but this is boxing. Anything can change around. Anything can turn around. And, you know, at the end of the day, it would be a great All-Ireland clash as well. You know, I'm sure a lot of Irish fans
2: would like to see it, and especially if it was held in Ireland. Yeah, I have to agree, man. I have to agree. The last two questions I've really got for you now, I have to ask you this. It's kind of come out this week. It's a bit of a shock. Uh, Conor McGregor picking up a boxing license in the state of California. Uh, What's your thoughts on that? Do you reckon it's just a publicity thing? Do you reckon uh, he's doing the right thing trying to get into boxing? What's your thoughts on the whole thing?
0: Conor's an exceptional man, inside and outside the ring. You know, he's very smart of what he does. You know, Everything that Connor does, he does for a reason. Connor just doesn't do something for the sake of doing something. Whether it's publicity, whether it's, you know, he really wants to fight or anything like that. I don't know. I can't possibly see how he's going to fight because he's contracted to the UFC. I can't see any of the commissions, the state commissions out here sanctioning a fight with Connor and Connor, Connor and uh, Floyd Mayweather. It's unbelievable the way things are right now, do you know what I mean? The way it's out in the in the press and everything like that. You know, Connor is probably one of the best UFC fighters ever to enter the octagon. Floyd Mayweather is one of the greatest ever fighters to enter the ring. Connor has did his part over two years. Floyd Mayweather has did his part over a decade. You know what I mean? This is this is a different sport that he's entering. I think maybe if he wants to go ahead with it, I'm behind him 100%. He's Irish. You know what I mean? He's a great lad. He's down to earth. Personally, he is. You know, of course, he does his thing when he has to in front of the TV cameras and when the lights come on. But I know Conor personally, he's a great fella, a really nice down to earth guy. And, you know, for me, I think that he should have a fight or two and see what it's like inside the ring with some real boxers you know boxers are a lot different than UFC fighters but at the end of the day look if that fight with Conor and Mayweather came around would I pay to watch it? would I go to watch it? of course I would do you know what I mean? and is that what they're trying to get at?
2: I don't know it's something funny but there's something going on for sure Absolutely. And finally, Jason, I've got to ask this to all the boxers that we speak to in this month of December. Um, We're all getting in that Christmas spirit now. Uh, This question, what is on your Christmas wish list for 2017?
0: My Christmas wish list is to still be undefeated, playing that ladder, and have every top middleweight out there with a belt, knowing who Jason Quigley is and having their name in the back of my head and knowing that I
2: mean business and I'm a guy to watch out. Absolutely. Listen, God willing, all those wishes come true for you. Listen, Jason, I want to thank you for giving us a bit of your time today. I wish you all the best of, you, of luck in your fight on the 17th and we'll speak again very soon. I appreciate it, Joy. Thanks very much for having me, as always. Okay, now it's time to end episode 60 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. I as Sumra has been I as Sumra. I'd like to thank the two guests on this week's show. I wish them both the best of luck for their fights next weekend. Hammering Hank Lundy and Jason Quigley, both of them top top fellas a big thank you to the loyal listeners that tune in every week so whether you've listened to the show on a yacht on a yoga mat or whilst walking down the shop wherever you've listened to it i hope you've enjoyed this boxing freebie we'll be back next week with another big show as per usual enjoy your weekends stay safe and we'll see you next week